Hello, hello, fearless listeners. Are you ready for another episode of Let Fear Bounce? It's the podcast that's all about conquering challenges and facing our fears. I'm your host, Kim Langling, and each week we'll dive into inspiring stories, expert insights, and practical tips to help you turn your fear into your greatest ally. So sit back, relax, grab that cup of coffee, and let's discover how to make fear our bouncing board towards a life filled with endless possibilities right here on Let Fear Bounce. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langling, your host, and I am so excited that you're deciding to spend just a small part of your day with myself and my guest today, Stacey LeBaron. She's coming to us from Vermont, folks. So we're both in snowy climbs at this time when this is being recorded. But Stacey, she is involved and has been involved in animal welfare for almost 30 years. She currently hosts a weekly podcast called Community Cats Podcast, where she interviews nationally and internationally renowned experts, helping with the problem of cat overpopulation and cat welfare. With her own podcast, she's recorded over 500 episodes, folks. So that's something you're definitely going to want to hop on there and listen to because there's all kinds of stuff to hear. So in addition to her podcast, she's also committed to the model of virtual education by holding three weekend conferences, the Online Cat Conference, the United Spay Alliance Conference, and the Online Kitten Conference. Her mission in all of this, and much, much more, folks, there's so much more to her bio, but her mission is to encourage folks to turn their passion for cats into action. Stacy, welcome. Wow, you've got a heck of a bio. I absolutely love meeting other animal advocates, so thank you for being my guest on Let Fear Bounce today. Thank you for having me. This is great. I've been looking forward to this because now don't take this negative. I'm a dog person, but I love all animals (laughs) and I'm an advocate for all those souls that need help because they don't have a voice and we have to be their voice. So I am all for everything and what you're doing. And I I applaud you for doing it for so many years. Um, We were talking off mic a few minutes ago, how our volunteer time is, is so, uh, so full. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. Takes up uh, many, many hours of each day. And a lot of folks out there that might be listening that are also passionate about what they do, you understand what we're talking about. But Stacy, welcome to Let Fear Bounce. I'm going to toss it over to you. I would like to know what got you started almost 30 years ago with this passion in your heart to help cats and to be an advocate. Um, of course, it all goes back to when I was a kid, I had a cat and, you know, the cat was a grumpy cat, an older cat, the cat liked to scratch me all the time. And so I learned how to respect the boundaries of old grumpy cats at a very young age. So I developed a significant soft spot for those senior cats that are out there. And this is, we're talking, this was back in, you know, the seventies. Um, and little did I know back then my, my mom had gotten the cat, um, spayed at an early age. Actually, she thought the cat was a male cat when she got the kit. She got a kitten from the neighbor. She thought the cat was a male cat named the cat Duncan. And then she brought the cat into the vet to be neutered, ended up being female cat needed to be spayed, but still kept the name Duncan. So beautiful thing is though, my mom knew at that time in the sixties that it was important to get your cat uh, spayed or neutered. And I didn't obviously know at that point in time that, um, 
you know, not everybody got their cat spayed or neutered. I grew up thinking that's just what everybody did. And, um, you know, I fast forward through that cat lived to be 20 years old, educated me on what it's like to live with a grumpy old cat. And then um, I moved to a town called Newburyport in Massachusetts um, with my cat that I adopted sort of illegally in college um, and brought with me to, to Newburyport. And, um, you know, there was a local uh, cat shelter there. And I brought my 10 pound bag of cat food, my 10 pound bag of cat litter to donate. Now, oh, this is going to last them like a month and a half, right? This is going to, you know, this will last forever. And I went in there and they had just taken an 80 cats from a hoarding situation into a very small space. And I go, this isn't going to last very long. You know, this just isn't going to work. And I donated like $50 back then. And then they sent a letter out saying, you know, we're looking for people who can be secretary of the organization. And I'm like, I can't go to a shelter. It's too emotional. I can't deal with seeing all these cats. So I said, I can, I can type. So if I can type, I could be the secretary of the organization. So I joined their board and learned a lot about what nonprofit board life was like for better or for worse, all that kind of stuff. You know, each day was an adventure. You're, we were talking earlier about you're learning something new, whether you like it or not, you're learning something new every day. You've got a challenge. There's a problem to be solved. And so this organization, the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society, I became the board president in 1994. I was board president and executive director for 16 years. And um, I learned something new every day. I grew that organization from $45,000 a year to $1.2 million a year in revenue, started mobile spay neuter clinics, spay neuter clinics for community cats, pretty much you name it. I tried it, right? I was like, let's figure this out. We shouldn't have cat overpopulation. We shouldn't have to euthanize cats in shelters. We, it just isn't right. I had all these aha moments. I'd see these things, these kittens living in dumpsters, feline leukemia cats looking totally healthy, being put to sleep. I'm like, this isn't right. This is not right. We've got to figure it out. And so in that 16 years, I really felt like I figured it out. And at this point in my life, I just want to share with everybody the excitement that we can do good things for the cats in our communities. We shouldn't give up. There's a way to help cats in our communities, whether you're one person, whether you're an organization, whether you're a municipality, we can all make a difference and we can all make it happen. So turn your passion for cats into action. I just want to share the, my story and share the creative ideas that are out there to make a difference in the lives of cats. And what you're doing is so important because, and like you said, yes, everybody can make a difference and um, have a positive impact on your own community, right where you're at. And I know a lot of people think, well, I'm just one person. Like you said, I'm just one person. I can't, I can't do this. I, you know, I can't, who's going to listen to me. Where am I going to go? Who am I, who am I supposed to even talk to? They're a dog person or they're a horse person. Where are they, why are they going to want to listen to me or why are they going to want to support my nonprofit or my organization? And the thing is, you've just got to go out there and do it. You've just got to do it. You have a voice, so use it because the animals that you're advocating for don't have a voice. And right. like you right. had mentioned, I, and I'm sure I, I, well, I know a lot of animals are needlessly put down when there were other options available that could have been, you know, further looked into. Um, I, I love what you're doing or have been doing and continuing to do and, the one person with one voice, you can make a big old wave. You can in your slice of the world. And it'll, right. it can ripple from there because look what you're doing. You know, you've right. got your own podcast. How many people does that reach? You know, think about every time you have a podcast and you've got someone on there talking about what you both 
both you and your guest have a heart and passion for, you're causing another ripple. And that ripple's just going across that ocean or lake or pond, whatever you want to look at it as, and reaching exactly who it needs to be. So go you, Stacy. this is awesome. One of my big dreams out there too is to have everybody understand what TNR is. So, which it stands for trap, neuter, return. So if you have cats in your backyard or in your community that you're concerned about and you want to make sure they're not going to have kittens, the best plan is to do trap, neuter, and return rather than thinking trap, remove, trap, remove, and euthanize. That's not the option. When I started working with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society, there was a dumpster that had 35 cats living in it. An organization came in, they trapped those 35 cats, they euthanized them. Two years later, another 35 cats are in that dumpster. Same organization was called to come in to trap and remove and euthanize those cats. And they said, no, we're not going to come back because obviously that didn't work. That was how the trap new return program started in Newburyport which was the home base of the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. We had 14 feeding stations, 300 cats in that area. By 2008, the last cat passed away and the last feeding station was closed. So then now there are no cats down on the Newburyport waterfront in Massachusetts. So TNR does work. Trap new to return does work. And we just have to get the word out one by one, each person understanding, oh, this is what I should do if there's a cat in my backyard. If, the, if it's a friendly cat, put a paper collar on that cat and have the cat wear that paper collar saying, you know, does anybody own me? Call me. I'm concerned or whatever. And you'll find out whether that cat's owned or not known, not owned to determine the assistance needed there. And um, I just think that there are these tools. So many people want to help. They just don't know how. And so the Community Cats podcast is here to help people understand how they can help those cats in their community. Now, where can folks listen to that? Where can they access the Community Cats podcast? So we're out there, you know, on, on Apple Podcasts and um, YouTube. Those are probably our two frequently visited. I listen to it on Castro because I have a soft spot for Castro. But, you know, there's lots of other um, Spotify, Pandora. We're, we're pretty much everywhere out there. Um, obviously, you can also go to the communitycatspodcast.com website. Uh, and we'll have our each show is released on Tuesday of every week. And it's right up on our homepage, along with our, all of our other educational events that we have. And we do have a blog that comes out once a month also. Awesome. So you've got all kinds of information that people can readily access. Now, folks, all of you listening that are interested, this will all be down in the description and in the show notes. So all the links will be there so you can access them on your own once you're done listening in. What an amazing, what an amazing journey. Now you started obviously what well, in my love for animals started when I was very young as well. Um, and I, I have a heart, you had mentioned the senior cats. I, I have a heart for those, those senior animals, you know, the ones that for whatever reason, um, end up in a shelter when they don't necessarily have to. And I have a question for you. I've met a gentleman who runs an organization that puts into place a codicil in people's wills. So they, if they pass away or if power of attorney, so if they have to go into a nursing home for an extended period, this is who will take care of my animal. But do you have something like that? Or do you work with organizations that provide something like that? So if an animal's owners pass away, most times they're put in a shelter. 
I certainly have access to resources, obviously, depending on each state, there's different attorneys for, for each particular state. So, um, but I do have access to quite a few resources as well as I've experienced it from an organizational side of things too, where uh, someone has put in their will uh, to, for example, there was a, a family that had 12 cats and the person passed away. And then they have required that there were trustees and they required that somebody went and lived in that house until the, the cat's days had gone. And then, you know, when it was 12 cats, there was companionship and it was got down to like two cats that were like 14 and 16 years old. And it was very challenging to manage. And sometimes people will offer an organization. They'll say, you know, Hey, if you'll take care of my cats, my house, if it's a large colony of cats, they'll say, um, you know, I'll donate the house to the organization after the fact. Um, and if you take continue to take care of the house. So you just have to be a little bit careful about how things are set up in the will for individuals who just have one or two cats and they want to make sure that those pr provisions are in place. There are definitely templates available, but they'd have to run it by their estate planning attorney just to make sure that there aren't any um, catches because there are pet trusts. You can do a pet trust also. So it would help. So say you want, were willing to take on those two cats and um, there would be in the pet tr trust funds to take care of the well-being of those cats, but maybe a stipend also for you to have that that you know ability there. There are some organizations too that will take the cats in, but you have to do a lot of due diligence to make sure that those organizations are really doing the right thing um, by those cats. Um, you know, in in some situations they'll they will work to find an appropriate home. I mean, it's this it's a lot of trust. There's a lot of trust that goes on. I highly recommend do not do not. Some folks have put in their wills that their pet be euthanized and buried with them. I highly recommend we've had to legally go and challenge those issues when the cat is perfectly healthy. Um, and you would think that is not done often, but that is done sometimes. So if you are a family member and you're aware of someone in your family that has put that provision in their will, I would highly recommend having the conversation sooner rather than later to not allow that to, to happen. Pretty much you name it. And I've kind of seen it in the estate planning for pet arena. You know, and I, and here's another thing that popped in my head as you were talking, um, by all means, yes, have a conversation with the person that wants to be buried with their pet. I could never do that to my dog. They were still healthy and don't assume that a family member or a child, an adult child will take on the care of your animal. Mm -hmm. You can't assume that. And I've talked to a lot of people that say, well, my, you know, either my son or my daughter will do, I'm like, well, do they have small children? Do they plan on having small children? Are they allowed to have pets where they live? Are they financially and physically able to take care of this pet? And that was something they weren't able to answer all those questions mm -hmm. or their answer was, I don't know. Uh, oh no, I hadn't thought about that. These are things every, regardless of the type of pet you have, you've got to think about, please don't just assume that someone in your family is willing to take on your animal, whether it's an iguana, cat, dog, or a horse, <laughs> you know, whatever the case may be, uh, please don't assume because that's a big commitment and big responsibility. Oh my gosh, if I could, I'd take in all kinds of animals, but financially I can't, right. so you have to be responsible. So right. what, what advice do you have for folks? Maybe they're looking to adopt a cat or two. What would be your specific advice with all of your years of experience telling someone, and maybe they're a new cat owner. They're just, they're like, oh, I want a cat. They're, 
maybe a young adult got their first place and they really want a cat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and it's it is it's a great question because um, cats, the cat ownership rates are increasing significantly, um, growing at a higher rates versus dogs. And I think it's because we have more of an apartment population out there now and cats are a little bit more adaptable to the apartment environment. Um, uh, there's a significant challenge right now with dogs, large dogs in shelters, length of stay is very long overpopulation for large dogs. And I just think that their, their home, uh, options are more limited than they've probably ever been. So that's extremely unfortunate, but as a new cat owner, certainly understanding there's costs involved for sure. And, um, I think it's 40% of pet owning families cannot afford a $400 emergency vet bill. So really understanding that there are some costs involved. And I'm not saying don't adopt because of those economic limitations, but I'm saying understand those economic limitations and try and figure out a way to prepare for that. You know, always having a backup plan. I mean, when you're young, you know, but I mean, when you're young, you don't even have a will. A lot of people don't even bother crafting a will. They don't think that they need to. Um, having a pet is the same as having a child. And a lot of uh, lawyers will say, you know, write a will when you have children, that's the time, or when you buy a house, that's the time to write a will. Well, a pet is a child, a pet is part of the family. And so if you have a pet, then you need to provide for them, you know, in your will in, in some, you know, way, shape or form. I also want to take a step back a little bit and talking about families, um, absorbing things like houses. So, so in some cases there'll be a house, uh, where, you know, an elderly parent has passed away the old family homestead. They've been feeding 10 cats in the backyard and we'll get a call and we'll say, you know what, we got these cats in the backyard. we got to get rid of them because we're going to put the house on the market. Well, nowadays it's a seller's market. You can require that a buyer of that property continue to maintain that colony that is happening very frequently now. So those cats are not having to be relocated. You can work with a real estate agent and and ask the, um, the new owners or the prospective buyers to say, we want you to support this colony. How are you going to do it? And this colony of cats is not moving anywhere. So a lot of people would think that's not an option and it totally is an option. You know, and I wouldn't have thought that it was either, but that's interesting. Does that, is that state by state or is that no, nope. it's, it's any across the board. And who's to say, so say, you know, an elderly parent passes away and there's two cats inside the house. Um, you can also say these two cats come with the house. And so, you know, they get to stay in their home. And I mean, it's the same process you would do with any applicant who's trying to apply to adopt a cat. I mean, it, it so these are You've frozen up. I don't know if you can hear me or not. Sorry about that. 
No, that's okay. You froze up. Um, and I, yes. didn't know, I didn't know if you could still hear me. That's why I was saying you're frozen. I don't know if you can hear me. <laughs> well, and you were frozen too. You're frozen on my side. So I'm going to leave my camera off just to, in case it's my Wi-Fi. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm directly plugged in. I'm directly sure. plugged in. Yep. You're hardwired. So yeah, hardwired. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. I am unfortunately not. So yeah, okay. so it's pro probably on my side. Okay. So, and I don't recall what sentence you were in the middle of. Um, so we were saying that um, people, so let me just go. Um, so some things that people were not uh, thinking of is that if they have a colony of cats in their backyard, if they've inherited a house from an elderly parent that has passed away, that they can include that uh, caretaking of that colony of cats uh, in contingent upon the purchase of the house. So, you know, it's something that you would think you don't have the possibility to be able to do that. And another twist too, is that if say the elderly parent passes away and there's two cats, you can sell that house with the two indoor cats too. It's the same as going through an adoption process. And so there are just a lot of different creative ways to be able to take care of cats that I just really think people aren't considering. And that's something, I guess, when you're, when you're talking uh, with your estate planner or your attorney to make sure that you want that all, you want that all hammered out when you're putting your will together. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I'd like the cats to stay, you know, in the house when you put the house up, if the plan is to put the house up for sale, you know, just include that. And you could put limitations, you know, if you can't sell the house in 12 months or something, I don't know, then work on other options or, or whatever. But again, clarity is the best thing you can possibly do in any sort of estate plan. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and I did not know that, that you could do that with, with um, pets. Cause I'm assuming that just, that's, you know, that goes beyond cats, but yeah, interesting stuff. So you just tossed out like a really good little nugget of hope there for all kinds of, all kinds of people. Uh, wonderful stuff. Wonderful stuff. I know that you are involved in so much and, and still involved in different organizations and things like that in your, in your community. And you have all kinds of online programs, share a little bit about some of your online programs, some of the regular ones, or maybe yearly ones that you provide. Yeah, sure. So we do um, at the Community Cats podcast, we do 30 online events uh, every year. Uh, we have a monthly trap new to return certification workshop. It's a two and a half work, two and a half hour workshop that we have on the first Saturday of every month. Um, that's basically for the person who's like TNR. What is that? I don't know what that's all about. And let me just check it out. Right. And so we have that. Um, we also have a surrender prevention certification workshop, which is mainly for volunteers who are um, on the front lines of shelters, rescues, triaging a lot of calls. Um, and somebody, you know, my cat's uh, peeing outside the litter box. What should I do? And it's like, well, is it on a covered litter box? Well, yes. Well, maybe lift the lid and see if that helps. So, you know, really trying to get some of that low hanging fruit. So people aren't going to surrender their, their cats for an issue that might be easily resolved. Um, and we have return to home, uh, certification workshop also, which is tips and tricks on what to do with lost and found cats. We have, you know, all these other events, we have some free webinars, colony caretaking tips and tricks, trappers, tips and tricks. So a whole range of free webinars on colony cat management. And, you know, we, we go into sort of a deeper dive on feline leukemia. We're big advocates of adopting out feline leukemia, positive cats and treatments that are developing to support cats that have that disease. 
Um, we have feline behavior day and then other online conferences we have. We just, I mean, it's like something's happening every weekend. I can't even keep up honestly. And so, you know, I just wait for people to say, Stacy, you gotta like log on and do your thing. And, um, but it's fun. It's really great. I mean, we have a wonderful Facebook community of, uh, folks that have attended the conferences and they can share about their experiences. Um, you know, we're all over on social media and we have the, um, uh, everything TNR playlist on our YouTube page and I highly recommend people check that out. Also, if they're interested in more uh, education around trap, neuter, return. So, you know, if anybody's missing anything, uh, just, you know, always, you can always email me, Stacy at communitycatspodcast.com. I love responding to emails. I'm very quick at responding. And, um, you know, if we're missing anything, I'm happy to provide the information. So many resources out there, folks. I had just actually published an anthology called Paw Prints on the Couch. And the stories are all stories shared by people um, of them and their rescue animals. And there are a couple stories in there about cats specifically that had feline leukemia. And uh, this person, this it had taken these cats in to take care of them. And she continues to do that and, and donate her time and money and resources to help cats you know, and she's just one person in my local area, actually, that that does that. But she's really making a big difference. We had talked earlier how, you know, you might be thinking I'm just one person, just one voice. But if you you can make a, such a big difference in your in your slice of the world and have that ripple out and people will pay it forward because there is goodness and kindness out there in people. It might not seem like it at times, but there really is. There is an awful lot of good in the world. And that includes you, Stacy, and all of those folks that you work with and all of the things that you do to help, to help these, all these cats that, you know, otherwise probably wouldn't have a chance, I, you know, and I thank you for that. And I, you know, as an advocate for animals, period, I thank you for what you're doing and for your heart and for your passion for that. So I know you're super busy and you have all kinds of stuff that you do, but what, what's next? Do you have something sitting on the back burner that you've just been wanting to do and you just haven't got a chance to do it yet. <laughs> well, there's always a list that's for sure. So, um, <laughs> in, in, in addition to, uh, the community cats podcast, I'm also involved with United spay Alliance. I'm on their board of directors, their director of strategy, which is really trying to bring forward uh, spay neuter all across the country, affordable, accessible spay neuter, uh, we have a veterinary shortage and technician shortage going on all across the country right now. So we're really trying to rethink our process uh, around spay-neuter, really promoting high-volume, high-quality spay-neuter techniques in public, public nonprofit as well as private practice. Uh, so, you know, the thing that's on my list is really trying to think strategically about how we can get care to um, every cat owner, cat advocate out there, some places, some folks are having to wait up to five to six months before they can get their cat into a veterinary clinic. Um, and it is really kind of tough out there right now. And we're just really trying to work on finding those spay neuter deserts that are out there. And we're trying to get some resources there. Uh, it's really challenging. I love a challenge, right? Bring it on. Um, <laughs> and so 
so I do that. And then I'm also the board president of a group called Positive Pantry here in Vermont. We provide pet food for families all across the state of Vermont, as well as Massachusetts. So that's sort of my secondary level, which is really ensuring that no family has to make a surrender decision based on the fact that they can't afford pet food. Um, and I also say, if we can supply the pet food to the families, then they can save the money they would have spent on pet food to put it for the emergency vet fund that they will need because somewhere along the line, somebody's going to eat something that they weren't supposed to eat and they need to go into the vet for, for help. So, you know, you need that coffee can where you're putting that money aside and, you know, saving that for, for your, you know, the emergency that you hope you never have, you know, volunteering right now, volunteer recruitment is really challenging. Um, I would love to get a shout out there for anyone that really wants to get involved. This is the time to step up and, and step forward, even if you can only, and I say only, even if you can volunteer three hours a month, do what you can do. Don't do nothing. Do what you can do. And we will appreciate you for that because a lot of volunteers stopped their efforts in COVID and it's been very slow for them to come back. And I think that's across the board for any nonprofit or organizations that's run by volunteers. Um, I'm involved in a couple myself and have been for 25 years and it's very hard to retain volunteers especially yeah. the last four to five years. It's been very tough. We're really, we're feeling it. We're missing, missing those volunteers, which is adding more pressure onto the staff and a lot of staff turned over. So in animal welfare, so they're still learning and it's new and we have high expectations because of we're supposed to do community outreach. We're supposed to be wrapping our eye, our head around diversity. We're supposed to be, um, adopting out more, we're supposed to, you know, there's just so many more stresses and demands on us that we're missing those volunteers and desperately need them back. So folks, if you're out there and you want to give back in some way to your community, volunteer with a shelter, volunteer with an organization, such as what Stacy's been talking about, because every state has them, every community has them, every city has them. Just, just look into it. Google. It's an amazing thing. <laughs> yeah, Google what's in your area. Stacy. I want to thank you so much for being my guest today on Let Fear Bounce. The information that you've provided is invaluable and so many folks can benefit from it. So share again uh, your website and the YouTube channel and stuff that, and of course it's going to be in the description, but if you would please share that again with the listeners. Sure. Our website is um, www.communitycatspodcast.com. Uh, we are at Community Cats Podcast on YouTube. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Community Cats. And we're on Twitter. We're in Pinterest. We're pretty much everywhere you might want to go. And I would love to hear from any of your listeners if they have any questions, thoughts, comments, or ideas. You can always shoot me an email at Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y at communitycatspodcast.com. Thanks again. And I ask all of my guests if they would leave or toss out a nugget of hope to the listeners today. So what would your nugget of hope be that you can toss out to the listeners? I truly do believe that we can create a world where every cat out there has either a guardian, an owner, or an advocate. I agree with that. I didn't know if you're going to keep on going. <laughs> super simple. Keep it, it is super simple. simple. Yes. 
I agree. And I think that's, I think that's true for any animal, actually. People yeah. just need to step up, just step up, step forth, just takes one step and a big heart. One yep. step and a big heart. Stacy, once again, thank you so much for being my guest today on Let Fear Bounce. This has been truly educational. I've appreciated it. Thank you so much, Kim. All right, everybody out there listening, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed myself and my time with Stacy LeBaron. Everybody be well, stay well, and be blessed. And that is a wrap, my fearless friends. Thanks for bouncing along with me on another episode of Let Fear Bounce. I hope you're feeling a bit motivated and ready to take on any challenge that might come your way in the coming days. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode of Let Fear Bounce. Tune in each week for your dose of inspiration from my amazing guests from all over the world. So until next time, keep bouncing forward and stay fearless, my friends. Everybody be well, stay well, and above all, be blessed. Thank you.